Okay, let's begin our discussion of Parsha's Bahar, Tafshin Ayin Hay. One more week and then uh, Chutz Laaretz catches up with us. Uh, but we have only Bahar this week and we get to focus on a number of Yesodos Ha'emunah that come up in this uh, Parsha, a number of mitzvahs also that we'll talk about, a couple of uh, nuggets that we will take. But we start off with the Yesod, we start off with probably the most, one of the most famous lines in all of Rashi al-Hatorah. And that is the first phrase in Rashi in the Parsha, uh, which has even come to be a pitgam amami, a phrase that is said in modern Israeli culture. Of course, the Parsha starts off with the mitzvah of Shemitah, which we have to talk about this year. Being a Shemitah year, Parsha's Bahar, we can't not uh, mention something about Shemitah. The Parsha starts off, Hashem Moshe Bahar Sinai Lemar. Hashem says to Moshe in Har Sinai, Dabrel B'nei Yisrael v'martalehem. Say to Bnei Yisrael, Ki lachem. Say when you come into Eretz Yisrael that I will give you Shemitah, and we go into all the details of Shemitah listed here. Six years you shall plant, you shall prune, and in the seventh year it is Shabbos Lashem. We'll get to some of the details Bez Hashem in a minute. But first we talk about the Rashi. Rashi, the beginning of the parsha. Bahar Sinai, Ma Inyan Shemitah, Sinai. Which in modern Hebrew means, what does that have to do with anything? But the source of that phrase is Rashi. Yes, the Pasuk says that Hashem told Moshe at Sinai the laws of Shemitah, but Hashem told everything to Moshe Rabbeinu at Sinai. So, what does Shemitah have to do with it specifically? So, that is what Rashi Kori Chazal deals with and says, Ella, just like Shemitah, all of its general rules and all of its pratim were all said at our Sinai. Avkulan, so too, all of them, all the mitzvos, the general parts of the mitzvah and the details of the mitzvah. And we'll get into some of those details uh, soon. So again, just like Shemitah was at Arsinai, its general rules and its details, so too its uh, all the mitzvahs. But the famous question on the question and answer that Rashi gives is, that's true. But still, why did Hashem pick this mitzvah to teach us that? We could have picked any mitzvah to say Harsinai next to, and then we would have said, just like Hashavas Aveda was given in its klalom and its pratim at Arsinai, so do all mitzvahs. Just like the mitzvah of Ma'akeh was given Klalim and Pratim, so to, could have been any mitzvah. Just like Brismila was re-given at Arsinai its general rules and its details, so to the detail, so to uh, all mitzvah. So why Dafka was Shemitah picked? Says the Chassam Sofer. Source number one is quoted here in the Torah Ladas, but it's Chassam Sofer's thought. Vikasha, line three. Mibnei ma'gil salanu tarasenu ezos eitzal mitzvah Shemitah. Question that many ask. Fine, it's a beautiful message. But why, specifically, by Shemitah is it said? Why? Says the Chassam Sofer, Shemitah, there's a deeper idea about what Rashi means by Ma'inyin Shemitah, Eitzel Harsinai, and there's a deeper understanding. Says the Chassam Sofer, Shemitah is a... The only mitzvah, if not the only, one of the only, that reflects and proves that there is a divine author to the Torah. How do you know that? 
Why does Shemitah prove that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wrote the Torah out of all mitzvahs? All mitzvahs. Why Dafka Shemitah? Says the Chazam Sofer. Shemitzvah Shemitah he os al Torah min hashamayim. Shemitah is a siman of uh, Torah was given from Shemayim. Ki mina kol ha'acharim ve'ovde adamahu lavur esadoseim achar kamashanim. The minhag, the custom of farmers, the custom of people who work the land. What do they do? After every couple of years, they let the land lie fallow. They let they don't work the land. Why? Because the land is worn out. The land needs a rest. The land needs to recuperate after years of pro- production, and then eventually uh, you'll be able to plant it afterwards, and it'll be strong again. It kind of needs a break. The land. And that's why, that's the minhag of farmers. So that afterwards, we could plant, replant it, and in an invigorated way, it could, it could restart. What does Moshe Rabbeinu do? Moshe Rabbeinu writes the mitzvah of Shemitah. Work the land for six years. Then let it lie fallow. Why? What does the Torah say? If we let it lie fallow, the sixth year produce will be enough. For the sixth year, the seventh year, if there's a Yovel the following year, Hashem promises a miracle. Hashem promises something that's negativa. Not that letting it lie fallow. What's the minute of? In a couple of years, you'll be able to plant again and everything will start growing anew. No. Letting it lie fallow will itself produce an unbelievable amount of crops, an amazing amount of produce. Moshe Rabbeinu Tziva HaHefech. Says the Chassam Sofer. Moshe commanded just the opposite. Six years you plant. And even though it's all worn out, that sixth year is going to give you enough produce for three years. The sixth year, the Shemitah year, then the following year you'll have nothing planted by them. So it's going to have to last for the next couple of years. How could anybody promise such a thing? How could anybody write in a book that's read by billions that, don't worry about it, I'm taking care of you. Th- that's what's called Milsa Davidi Ligluye in the Gemara. It's something that's going to be recognized and, and revealed and public. What happens if it doesn't happen? Kaddish Baruch is ready to take that risk. Kaddish Baruch Hu says in the, in the Torah, you follow these, you're going to survive. Ma'iyah line 11. What would happen if it didn't come true? Halaz Yamus Kalam Barav Chalila. Everybody's going to die. And their emuna will be destroyed. And they'll say Moshe Rabbeinu was a liar. Moshe made it all up. And yet, it says that in the Torah, there must only be one author to this book, one who would take on his shoulders, that promise to be able to say, I got it covered, your field is going to produce for you. Shemitah then reflects and proves the fact that Hashem, the author, goes out on a limb to say this. That's the message, the underlying message of, of Shemitah. Says the Chassam Sofer. Now we get back to the Rashi. The Zeu Kavanah's Rashi, line 15. Ma inyan Shemitah etzel Harsinai. Rashi is not just asking, why does it say Shemitah by Harsinai? Rashi is asking our second question. Why is the mitzvah of Shemitah picked out of all mitzvos? Because this proves that all mitzvos came from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Other mitzvos, you might not have been able to prove it. But that's gufa what Rashi is asking. 
Rashi didn't ask a question to give an answer, and then we asked another question on that answer. Rashi is asking our second question. Why is Shemitah put by Harsinai? Because just like Shemitah was given on Harsinai, how do you know that? Because only HaKadosh Baruch Hu can make such a promise. So too all mitzvahs. Mashmita nemer b'sinai ratzal omar b'mitzvah shmita muchrachatolahodos. You have to admit him b'sinai nemer v'lo amra Moshe midaito says that's how you know. Then it's Siv writes in one of his shuvas about the hetamachira in the Meish of Dover. He writes in the end of the eighteen hundreds. He says, look at the previous shmitas. There's more produce produced then than in all the other years. In all of the years that in Eretz Yisrael. He says that's the promise. We see it. So says the Hassam Sofer, that's what Shemitah is about. Shemitah is about reflecting and proving that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the author of the Torah, and that's why that's the mitzvah that's chosen to be next to Harsinai in, in our parsha. Okay, moving right along to a yesod of our Misora. A yesod of our Misora. Beautiful uh, Rambam that we're going to talk about from the Hagdama to Pirish Mishnais. We know the Rambam has three major introductions to works. He has an introduction to all of Mishnah. That's what we're going to quote from right now, Hagdama to Pirish Mishnais, where he talks about what is Torah Shebaal Peh, and what is the source of Torah Shebaal Peh, and what is our Shalshelis HaMesorah from Moshe Rabbeinu all the way down to Ravina and Ravashi. The Rambam goes through all of history and description. That's... One Hakdama, his other Hakdama he has is Hakdama to Avos, called Shmona Prakim. A Prakim all about Midos and the perfect religious personality. And, of course, he has Hakdama to Chelek, to the last parak in Sanhedrin, where he talks all about Olam Haba and Gan Eden and Nevuah, that's where the Animamins are from, uh, different tenets of our faith. Those are the big three Hakdamas. There are other Hakdamas. He has a little Hakdama to Mishnah Torah, which is right before, just two pages long. But in his larger Hakdama to Pirish Mishnayis, there he talks about the Shalshelis HaMesorah. And towards the end of one of his major sections, he quotes our Rashi again. So let's go through that. This is really, we can mention this Rambam any week of the year in the Parshashir, but uh, we'll mention it now because he quotes our Rashi. And the Rambam starts off by expanding upon on Gemara in Masechus Erevin, which discusses, well, how did we exactly get the Torah? Okay, we know on, our, on Shavuos, we stood there, as we're getting up to theirs, in a couple of weeks, we stood there, we heard the Aseras Adivris. We heard it. And then what happened? Then Moshe, we didn't get the Torah. We received the Torah, but we didn't get any of the details. We didn't have anything yet. Moshe Rabbeinu goes up for 40 days, and then 40 days later, he's going to come back with the Luchos and explain everything to us. 40 days, 40 days later. And it didn't work out. Another 40 days for forgiveness. Another 40 days to get the second Luchos. But finally, whenever it happened, and Moshe started teaching the Torah to Am Yisrael, how did it happen? Did Moshe give one long sheer klali for like 30 hours straight? And even more? How did Moshe teach it? Did he use anybody to help him? So it's a Gemara. The Gemara in Erevin tells us, Daf Nun Dalit. You have at the beginning of source number two, the Rama paraphrases the Gemara. Da. Every mitzvah that Hashem gave to Moshe, He gave it with its explanation. As we will see, Hashem didn't just give the Torah Shebechsav. When He gave the Torah Shebechsav, He gave Moshe the details. It says later in our parsha, we'll get to it, Brother Hashem, the Isra of Ona'ah, the Isra of ripping somebody off. He didn't just say, you're not allowed to rip somebody off. Hashem said, if it's one-sixth, if it's more than a sixth, if it's less than a sixth, all the details were also given to Moshe Rabbeinu. 
Haya Omer lo ha mitzvah, v'acharkach Omer lo pirusha v'inyana. He used to tell him what the mitzvah was and then explain it. And then say exactly Torah Shebaal Peh. Torah Shebaal Peh does not mean that it was given later. It just means that it wasn't written down. Moshe Rabbeinu was given both Torah Shebaal and Torah Shebaal Peh. It was given Bad Babad together. V'chol Mashu Kolel Sefer HaTorah. And everything that's included, how did it go? Inyan li mudo li Yisrael, be'ervin. And he quotes the Gemara in Ervin, which explains how every Jew learned everything four times. And that's why learning something four times is already a level. Yes, the Gemara Chagiga says 101 times, but four times. I once had a, a, a Rebbe who said, you don't start understanding anything until you start scratching the surface the fourth time. The fourth time... Based on this Gemara. Uh, the first time is also great. The second time is also great. You can't, take it th- you can't get to the fourth time until we did it the first time. It's great. We should do it. But we have to realize there's so much more. Where does that come from? Erevin. Moshe Rabbeinu went into the Ohel and Aaron went with him. Moshe taught Aaron the whole Torah. Torah Shabbat Torah Shabbat Then what happened? Aaron went to the seat next to Moshe. Next, please. Who comes in? The sons of Aaron come in. The ones who were going to carry the torch. And they come in and what happens? Moshe says it all again. Now Aaron is listening and the sons are listening. One side goes to the right side, one side goes to the left side. So now who do we have? We have Moshe, we have Aaron, his two sons. Aaron's heard it twice. Elazar and Isamar has heard it once. Who comes in next? The 70 elders come in. And the same thing happens. Moshe says it again. And Aaron now has heard it three times. And the sons have heard it twice. And the Shivim Zakanim continues. And finally, after that, everybody. Everybody, Moshe told everybody, obviously a miracle. How can millions of people hear Moshe without a microphone? Even with a microphone, it would be uh, somewhat impossible. But he says it. So Aaron by this time has heard it four times. Aaron, his sons, the Zakanim, and Am Yisrael. Moshe gives Aaron a pat on the back and says, Your turn. And Moshe goes out. And Aaron now says it all over again to all of Klal Yisrael. Right? One can mention, not our topic now, but the best way to show and reflect real understanding is when you have to give it over to somebody else. Right, if I have to teach something, I have to know it's so much better than if I'm just listening. If I know, I'm going to have to give it over. So that was the goblets of Moshe Rabbeinu. He didn't just teach. He said, okay, Aaron, now your turn. Now you teach after four times. Moshe could have done it again to everybody. No, Aaron, you do it. And then what happened? Aaron left. And he told his sons, okay, now you do it. And then the sons left. And then he tells the Shivim Zakanim, now you do it. Ultimately, until everybody heard it four times, and some of them even got to, got to give it over. That is what happened. That was the, the beginning. That was Moshe Kibbal Torah Sinai. Umisara, Yeshua wasn't even here now. Yeshua was going to be the, the, the taking the torch, but he's not even on this list, interestingly. But after this process, 
Then everybody went back to their tents and they discussed it amongst themselves on the Adchamurs. They used to write scrolls. They used to study it. That they, they wrote notes. And they continued this process. Where do you see this? Moshe continued the details and the, and the rules. Then he quotes on line 23. He quotes our How do you know this took place? Because of our Rashi. Just like Shemitah was given with all the details, so too... All the mitzvahs are given with all the details. Marshall, the Rambam says, on line 27. For example, interesting why the Rambam picks these examples. Interesting just to think about. Sit in a sukkah. Okay, you can pick. You can only ask that question of why he picks this one if you have a better one that he could have picked. See, he picks one. Okay, fine. He says, Moshe, that's the mitzvah. Now let me get into the details. It's on men. And on ein cholim chayavin bo. A chol is mitzayer. And not holchei derech. And it has to be, you have to use schach for the only items that grow from the ground. Not something that's It has to be cut. And it can't be a kli. And you have to eat and sleep in the sukkah. And you can have less than seven tvachim and three tvachim. And all the details. That was all given by Moshe Rabbeinu. All of that. Right there, generation one. We think Moshe Rabbeinu got the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu got the Gemara. Moshe Rabbeinu got all the Torah Shabbat Peh. Not the Takanis and Zerus that were going to come later. But that is what our Rashi means. The Kasher Ba, Navi, Olav HaShalom, Nidelo HaMitzvah, Zosu Pirusha, just the bottom two lines, it's a little light. V'chein HaSheish Meos, V'shlosh Yesri Mitzvos, Hemu Pirusham, all 613 Mitzvos were were given uh, to Moshe Rabbeinu, the general rules and the details. Okay, that is a Rambam. We have to know that Rambam, right? What is the bait based on the Gemara Nehruvin? We have to know. How did our Mesorah start? It started with Moshe Kibbal Torah Misenai, but obviously it also continued and, and expanded. Okay, moving right along. Now let's get to one of the details of, one of the details of Shemitah. The Pasuk says, again, we read it, but now let's read it again. Says the, says the Torah. Daber al B'nai Yisrael v'yamarta alehem. Speak to B'nai Yisrael and say, Ki sabo el ha'aretz asher aninosi en lachem. When you come to the land, v'shav saha aretz Shabbos lachem. You shall observe Shemitah. The land shall rest. Sheishan et tizra sadecha v'sheishan et tizra kamecha, etc. Six years. Ask l'albaba cherebi an amazing question. Simple, but his answer is such a yisod gadol. Says the Lubavitcherebi. What should the Torah say? The Torah is telling us about Shemitah. Speak to B'nai Yisrael. When you come into Eretz Yisrael, work the land for six years, and then it'll be Shemitah. What does it say in the Pasuk? You'll come to the land, and it'll be Shemitah. And then you'll work for six years, etc. That's not true. It's not Shemitah right away. After they came in, then they started counting at a certain point. So why, ask the Lubavitcherebi, in Pasuk Beis, does it first say you're going to come in? It'll be a Shabbos Lashem Yilach Shemitah. And Pasuk Gimel then says, No, it's like saying, you know, Shabbos and then the week. No, first comes the week. Shabbos is Yom HaShvi'i. So Shemitah is Shnat Shvi'i. 
So why does the Pasuk say that you will have Shemitah and then it'll come to the six years? Says the Lubavitcher Rebbe, so in the source number three, from the Gutnik edition. The order in the text seems to be reversed. For the six work years precede the sabbatical rest year and not vice versa. Hence the text should have mentioned the six years of planting and then decree the resting. So what's the answer? However, says the Lubavitcher Rebbe, are you so gadol? Many times in life, we are involved in a process, a spiritual process, a physical process, but so often we lose sight of the goal. So often we get shakua, we get stuck in the process. In what we're doing, we forget what we're doing. We get lost in the process and we forget the goal. We, we focus on the means so much that we don't think about the ends. Says the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Torah first says the goal. That's primary. That's the focus. You come into the land, Shemitah. Work the land, work the land. And then it'll be Shemitah. Lamais is not Shemitah. But we have to have the goal forefront in our mind before we work the land. Says on the left side, this approach will ensure that one does not become submerged by the material and mundane aspects of life. Yeah, what does it say by Shabbos? We have to make a parnasa. It's a mitzvah. We have to support our family. It says in the Ksuba, that's what we have to do. Right? So we have to support the mitzvah. We have to do it. It's an obligation. But we have to realize that the week is leading up to something. Hayom yom revi'i l'shabbos. Why, that's the goal. If we get so caught up in the parnasa as an ends and not as a, and not as a means, so then we're, gonna, we're just going to get lost. Being constantly in mind, the above idea, bearing constantly in mind the above idea and goal will transform the six mundane working years. They will lose much of their drabness and become more refined and meaningful. If I think of today just as a Wednesday, okay, it's Wednesday. Okay, not so exciting. If today is Yom Revi La Shabbos, ah, oh, it's almost Shabbos. We said Lachun Aranana this morning, right, in uh, the end of the Yom, right, when, I, when it's all in the context of the goal, that everything's much more exciting, much more goal-focused. And that's what he says. Similarly, on the right side, in daily life, there are those aspects which have to do with material preoccupations and common necessities, eating, drinking, focused on items that we need to live. But we have to realize the teaching of a sabbatical year that's necessary to begin the day with the idea and approach. And that's fascinatingly what was already from the Arizal, to say the Yom every day in the morning. The Minnach of Chai Yisrael is to say it in the morning. Right? The Levia might have sung in the afternoon too. But we say it because that's how we want to start off our day. We want to keep the goal. Whatever we're going to do today, we have to realize it's in the context. Why is Shachras the longest tefillah? Because you've got to start off. You've got to realize the goal of life. The goal of the day is to realize that. So in life, whenever we're involved in anything, keep the goal in mind. And in that way, it'll give even more significance to the means. So this is Shemitah. But there is a sister mitzvah that goes with Shemitah, and that, of course, is Yovel. Yovel, we don't have Bizman Hazet. Yovel, the 50th year. The Torah says, let's read it. It says the Torah... V'safarta lecha, the first seven sukkim are about Shemitah. Then comes along the Pasuk, Pasuk Chas, V'safarta lecha, you shall count, you in the singular, meaning talking to Bezdin. 
There is no mitzvah upon each individual to count the years of Shemitah to get to Yovel. That is only on Bezdin. And in the, when we have a Meheri Yibana Beisah Megdash, when we get Yovel back, Bezdin will count. Will they count with a bracha? Will every one of the Bezdin say it? Will one of them do it for everybody else? Good question. Minchas types of questions. But the Safar they'll count. One year to Yovel, two year to Yovel, three year. Just like we count to Shvuas. Svira Saomer. They're going to count Svira Liovel. Till the 50th year. Visavarta lecha sheva shapsos shanim. Sheva shanim sheva pamim. Bahayu lecha sheva shapsos hashanim. Teshavarbim shanah. Right? And in year 20, they'll say, this is the 20th year, which is, right, would they say two Shemitah cycles and six? Got to work out some Lashem. Like we count weeks and days. So here too, it says, Sheva shanim sheva pamim. Teshavarbim shanah. Same type of Lashem. And what do we do in Yovel? So there is nothing of Yovel that is noik bezban azeh, except for one minhag. One minhag, which we have, and that is blowing shofar on Yom Kippur. That we blow it after Yom Kippur. In the days of Yovel, they blew it on Yom Kippur. It's a mitzvah daraisa. Vahavarta shofar tshua b'achodesh ha-shvi b'achal ha-chodesh. It's a mitzvah to blow shofar. On the 10th of Tishrei, right, Yom Kippur. B'yom ha-kippurim ta'aviru shofar b'chol ha-artzachem. And that will sanctify the year and all the, all the uh, vadim will go free, and all lands would go back to the original owner. All the uh, details of Yovel uh, will will um, click in, right? It's like a restart, right? A reboot, right? We're all familiar with the reboot. Something's not working properly. Something's off kilter, you know. You know, control alt delete reboot. That's Yovel. Everything goes back to the, the, the places, the shvatim and the families. You have too much money left. Let's start again. That's what Yovel is. That's what it's supposed to be. Fine. We, Rahman al don't have Yovel, uh, Bizman Hazeh. Why? Because we don't have Shvat, the Shvatim in Eretz Yisrael in their proper places. The Gemara tells us in Arachin that Yovel only applies when not only are B'nai Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael, they're in their proper places within Eretz Yisrael. Right? The Shvatim are in their proper places. But there is a major Machlokas, Rishonim, a historical Machlokas, about Yovel. And why it's so crucial for this year and other years is that not only is it crucial to know about Yovel, but historically, when did they stop counting Yovel? When did they stop counting Yovel? So let's see. This is a machlokas between the Rambam and the Ravid. Machlokas to the Rambam. Really, the Rambam and the Gaonim. Rav Shekhar likes to point out this is one of the only places that the Rambam does not paskin like himself. And the Ravid passes like the Rambam. Right? Because the Rambam quotes his opinion, but he says, but all the Gaonim say otherwise, and the Minnah is like the Gaonim. So the Rambam doesn't pass like the Rambam. But other people do pass like the Rambam. The Ravid never passes like the Rambam. So, collector's item type of Machlokas. But let's see, the Rambam and the Chashmita Yovel. This is just history. History. Machlokas about history. So, Meheri Bana Beis Megdash, we'll see. But the impact is crucial. Because based on the historical, this historical machlokas, it will determine whether we are observing the correct year of Shemitah or not. Chalaisal has the minute to observe this year as a Shemitah year. So that's why we have to talk about this Rambam now. It's about Shemitah, it's about Yovel. So let's see. The Rambam tells us in source number four, in Hilcha Shemitah v'Yovel. Mitzvah sasehilus parshonim sheva sheva ula kadesh nasachamishim. It's a mitzvah daraisa to count the seven years of Shemitah and to sanctify the 50th year. And we don't make Yovel Kadosh. Bezdin does. When did they start counting Yovel? When was the first Yovel in history? 
After the first 14 years, we know B'nai Yisrael went into Eretz Yisrael at Yud Nisan, the 10th of Nisan, the 40th year after they left Eretz Yisrael, as described since the beginning of Sefer Yehoshua, they went in and then for the next seven years, they spent conquering, not finishing the job, but doing a lot of conquering the 31 kings of Canaan. And they spent the next seven years divvying up the land with the help of Yeshua and the Urmetumim, 14 years until they were settled. Only then did these mitzvahs kick in. Some mitzvahs kicked in earlier. But, Shemit and Yovel, later. Shenemar, Sheshen in Tezra Sadecha, Vesheshen in Tezmar Komecha. Your field, your kerem, Achayyeh Kolechon Ve'echon Makir Artso. You gotta be in your land, in your portion of land, for these halachas to kick in. Vesheveshanim Asu Bekibush, Vesheveshanim Asu Bekibush, Vesheveshanim Asu Seven years they conquered the land. The Shevashan and Bechiluk. Nimsei Somer. So says the Rambam. Do the math. Bishnas Sholosh Vechamesh Meos Vaalpayim. Year 2503. Year 2503. May Rosh Hashanah Molad Adam Arishon. From Rosh Hashanah, from when Adam Arishon was born, that fateful birthday. Adam Rishon was born on Rosh Hashanah, according to Chazal, right? Creation started on Chafei Elul. Shehushan Hashniya that first Rosh Hashanah after he was born, which is the first full year, his Chilu Limnos. Lamaisa, 14 years after they went and they started the count, and year 64 after they went into Eretz Yisrael was the first Shemitah year. Vasu Shnas Eser, Vachamesh Meos Liyetzira, Shi Shnas Achas Ve'eser, Mishduch Zolar, Shemitah. Year 21 was the first Shemitah. And seven years later, then they start, started counting Yovel, which was the 64th year, as is described, uh, Fine, and they started from then, Shemitah Yovel, Shemitah Yovel, Shemitah Yovel. But then came Churban Abayas. So then what happened? What happened when B'nai Yisrael went into Golis? They went to Bavel. So here is where it gets exciting. Says the Rambam, skipping a couple of lines. He says they counted 17 Yovels from the time. You just got to divide all the time they were there by 17, right? The first b- a couple of years before they had a base of Migdash, and then the time of the base of Migdash, 410 years. So you do the math, and the Rambam says towards the first wide lines, I'm sorry, I skipped. Go back, I'm sorry. Line 18, or 17, That's the Gemara. The Bechorban bias happened in the year 1 after Shemitah. And, Kivan Shacharav Habayis, line 19, Batel in Yenzeh, Mishabatzla Haaretz. Venisher Haaretz Chareva, Shivim Shana, Venivne Vayesheni. So for those 70 years, the Jews weren't there. No Shemitah, no Yovel. So now we come back. Now we come back to Eretz Yisrael. They started Shemitah. They had Yovel. They had Shemitahs and they had Yovel, says the Rambam. What do you mean they had Yovel? Most of the Jews were not back. Most of the Jews were in Bavel. The Rambam says they still counted the year as a Yovel. Even though they didn't really have Yovel. As we said before, if the Jews aren't in their proper section in Eretz Yisrael, so there's no Yovel. So there was no real Yovel. The Rabbi says they counted the Yovel year. 
They did it so they wouldn't be off with the Shemitah year. Right? Because the, the, after the year 49, if you go straight to year 1, so you're going to be off. So that's why you have to count the year 50, which is Yovel, even though no Yovel applies. And then you start after the year 50, you can't start Shemitah again. That is what the Rambam says. And he works out the math. And then in Allah, hey, he, that's what he quotes it for himself. But then he says the Gaonim argue. And remember, the Gaonim were closer to the event than the Rambam was. So, No Yovel. Shmita. They had Shmitas. But they didn't count Yovels in between. And the Mepharshim explained even during Bayashani. Only Shemit is no Yovel. Seven, 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 seven. And that's what we do today. There's no Yovel. We just have Shemitahs. Seven, seven, seven. And the Ramam says, line five, Vishnas Shemitah, Yeduahi, Yom Rafusemet, Eitzalagonim. And the Shemitah year is before some, exactly what the year is. Vialzeanu Somchin. And this is what we rely on. Rambam, you just quoted your own Shemitah. Then you quoted the Gonim. The Ramam passes like the Gonim, even though he had his own Shemitah. He passes against what he thinks. Because he says, that's the Minog. Etc. That is the Rambam Shita. The Kesef Mishnah explains the, the Svara for the Gonim. doesn't make sense to count the year of Yovel if you're not doing anything of Yovel. Right? There are differences in halacha between Yovel and Shemitah. So if, Yo, if you're, those halachas are in place, then it makes sense to have a separate year for Shemitah, year 49, and then Yovel. But if you're not doing anything for Yovel, so just have an overlap. Have it overlap with Shemitah. Or have it overlap with year one of the next cycle. It doesn't matter. Explains the Kesev Mishnah. And the Ravid argues not for now. But this is a major machlokas about did they count the Ovels when they came back. Right? And that is a major ramification whether we have the right year of Shemitah or not. We follow the Mesorah. The Mesorah says this is the Shemitah year like the Gaonim. But one should be uh, aware of this machlokas. Okay, moving right along. Try to have a little bit of everything tonight. We had some Yisodos Hamuna. We have the Chassam Sofer. We have the Shalshalat Hamasora. Right? We have keeping our, our goals in mind. Machlokes. Uh, historical Machlokes. So now let's get into a little bit of Halacha We haven't touched on that yet. We mentioned we have the Iser de Oraisa in our para, in our parsha of Ona'a. Ona'a. The Iser of ripping somebody off. The Pasuk says, V'chi Simkaru. When you sell something to your friend, or you buy something, which in the context means figure out, because everything's going to go back by Yovel, so you have to figure out exactly how many years are left and how long, how much you should pay. But we expand that Isser to not overcharging, not giving somebody a bad deal. That's the Isser of Ona'a, which the Mepharshim discuss. Uh, there are various types of Ona. We know there's Ona's Mamon, which is uh, what we're going to mention now, but elsewhere there's also Ona's Dvarim, right? Making fun of somebody. It's separate Isidaraisa. Rav Palm always uh, remarked, and he writes in many of his Svarim, right? Everybody's very focused. It's on our radar, Lashen Hara, because since the Chavaz Chaim, Shmir Salashen. But what about Ona's Dvarim? Nobody, we don't focus as much on that. Saying anything that makes somebody, makes, makes somebody else feel bad. Now, Lashen Hara, no, never. But just saying something that, like, you know, make somebody hurt. I'm not as careful. Okay, but we're going to focus on Onas Mamon. Ashayla Vaharevna. Rev Zilberstein in source number six. Here's the story. 
A man wants to buy a certain pair of shoes from a certain company. Certain company. He calls up his relative who's Osek in shoes. He has a connection in shoes. He tells him, you know, this is the type of shoe I want. Um, and that's why, because he knows his cousin has connections. He's going to send him the shoe for a good price. He's going to get it at, uh, you know, face value. So he's not going to, he's going to give him a good price. But his cousin tells him, I have so many, I have so many shoes that are so similar to each other. You know, I have ten different choices of, of what you want. You just got to, you have to choose something. So maybe it was somebody who couldn't go online, right, for whatever reason. So maybe it was before the internet, so many eons ago, right? And he says, his cousin says, you know what? Go into your nearest shoe store, look around, see which one you want, write it down, call me up, and I'll send it to you. That's the shy, That's the case. So what's the Shiloh? Is he allowed to go into the store? Why? I'm not going in because this is I want to see which one, which shoe I want. I have no intention of buying. So he mentioned this isn't really Onas Mamish Mamon. Right, it's kind of Onas. He thinks you're going to buy something, but it's in the larger category of Onas. Of Geneva's Das. So this is the Shiloh. I'm not, I, I have no intention of buying shoes in this store. Can I go into the store to see the types of shoes they are and then I could go online, then I could call my cousin and order them. Is it Geneva's Das? Is it Ona? Says of Zilberstein, what would you say? Stop the tape now and discuss it. What's the answer? He says, Pashtus. Pashtus is Aser. He says at first, why? The Gemara says in Bamatziah, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, line 13, Af lo yitzle enav ala mekach b'shosh en lo damim. You can't put on a show like I want to buy something, like I'm interested in something, if I have no intention. And in Mesechah's Derech Eretz Rava, one of the Mesechah's Ketanos, Al yomar b'kama chafetzeh, don't ask the storekeeper, how much is this? V'huena rosa likach, if you have no intention of buying, v'reksha mashbiach daito shomocher. He think you're, you're, Giving him a false impression. And Bir Nachlas Yaakov, that's Onaz Dvarim, if you say something. So it is a little bit Onaz Dvarim, whatever the category is. So look over here too. The second you walk into the store and start looking at the shoes, so he thinks that, you know, he's, uh, you're gonna buy something. He has a certain expectation. Maybe you're gonna buy. You have no intention. Number one. But then he says, maybe you can look at it from another way. And that is, this isn't Stam a person who's doing it on purpose. I'm not going in there with an ulterior motive to get you upset. Maybe you should say it's mutter. Every Jew wants to do a chesed with his friend. So if I know, if I knew that you had a cousin and that's where you're buying shoes from, but you wanted to come into my store just to look around, would I say no? Would I say you can't come into the store? It doesn't hurt me. Like it says in Baba Kama. You're getting benefit. I'm not losing anything by you're walking at the shoes. 
So maybe it should be mutter. On the other hand, maybe not. The Gemara says about Bakama Dafchaf in that in that sugya, source twenty six, that even if there's a tiny, tiny loss, a tiny loss that's not called lo chaser, and this man is having agvas nefesh. If you walk in and you walk out without buying anything, it hurts a little bit. Nobody walks into my store, fine. But if somebody walks in, looks around, seems interested, and then walks down, it hurts me. So maybe it's not zelo chaser. So Venera says of Zilberstein, line 30, If we're talking about a real poor person who, let's say, cannot afford to buy it at a regular price, then Mistama, you could assume, Chesed, Staka, he'd be able to do this and, and go in and look around. But if he is not an Ani, he says, maybe I can find another Tzad Laheter, and that is, storekeepers like it when people are in their store so that when other people are walking by, they see, oh, what's going I see other people in the store. That must be a good deal. So just being in the store, you're actually giving him something also. You know, you're not just taking from him. So maybe he'll, he's happy about that. And you know what? A lot of times the storekeeper will say, come in anyway. I don't care if you're not going to buy anything. Come in anyway. Because maybe you'll buy something. Maybe there'll be an impulse item that, that will catch your fancy. So, back and forth. Yes, no, yes, no. What do you say? What do you do? So, you could also go in there and say, I'm buying for, I'm buying for my cousin. I just, can I just look at the shoes? Mr. he'll say yes. The best thing to do, he says, on the top of the next page, line 7, is whenever you want to get out of a suffix, just go buy something small in the store. Just go buy a pencil. If you buy something else and you have to look at the shoes, buy shoelaces. If you buy something else in the store while you're going in, then it's for sure not a problem. Because you're buying a small item and then you can buy the shoes. That's his psak. He then said, he later asked this uh, question to his uh, father-in-law, Revel Yashiv, Zatzal, and not suggesting to buy, buy something else when you're in there is for sure good. So he says, Me'ikar adin is mutter, but he says, you're not going to get the medal from Midas Hasidus from, uh, for it. Okay, either way, we have to use our head, but we see the sensitivity that Halacha has for Ona's Dvarim, for Agmas Nefesh, for Ona'a, to be so sensitive in terms. Again, Bizman there are many stores that are meant for browsing. So obviously it, don't, it won't apply to those type of stores. If it's known that people come in just to look around on the off chance, so you have to know the type of store it is. The type of store it is. Okay. Continuing. Let's talk about a Pasik which we, the Rishonim, are not sure exactly what the purpose of the Pasik is and what it's telling us. Says the Torah, towards the end of the laws of Yovel, Pasach of Gimel, V'ha'aretz lo simacher litzmisus, the Torah tells us that all lands go back in Yovel, and the language of the Pasig is, let's just translate it, the land shall not be sold forever. Because the land belongs to me, says Hashem. You don't own this, you're not the Balabayas on your karka on earth, says Hashem, I'm the Balabayas. And I say that it should all go back during Shemitah to their original owners. Here's the Pasuk. What exactly is the Pasuk? Who's the Pasuk talking to? It's the narrator talking. 
capital N. The land shall not be sold with spaces forever. So we will see. There are at least four different opinions in the Rishonim what the Pshad of this Pasuk is. What does it mean? We'll start with Rashi. Many times we just read Rashi and we assume Rashi is talking for all the Rishonim. It's not true here. Says Rashi, V'ya'ares lo simacher, li'tein lav. Rashi says, this is an Isser. The Ramban quotes it, right? The beginning of source 8. Li'tein lav. Al chazara sados l'avaylem b'yovel shelo ye'alokea kovsha. Says Rashi, this is an Isser on the buyer. The buyer of the land should not keep it for himself. When Yovel comes, you have to give it back. You have to give back the land in Yovel. When you hear that chauffeur, avadim go free, land goes back to their original owners. That is Rashi. It's an Isser on the buyer. The Ramban has an obvious problem with that. What's the language of the Pusik? The land shall not be sold forever. Who does the Pusik sound like it's talking to? It doesn't say the land shouldn't be bought forever. The land shouldn't be sold forever. Says the Ramban. Asking on Rashi. Source number eight. The Imkain, second line. Lama Yazir Bamachira. If it's an Isser on the buyer not to keep it, why does the Pusik say the warning about the seller? Vaharaui lo tiknel itzmisus. According to Rashi, it's just a lo tiknel, lo simacher. Vula yomar. Lo yimacher lochem litzmisus. Right? He said it's a little difficult. But that is, Rashi is number one. Pshat number two. Says the Ramban. V'yitachain, line four. V'yitachain. It's going on the seller. Shaloyim karena lachalutin lomar hareni mochre lachalo olamim gamachre hayovel. It's an iser on the seller to say, "I'm selling this to you forever and ever." Let's say it's five years. Why would he do that? Let's say it's five years before yovel. So I know in five years the land I'm selling you is going to go back to me. But I want you to give me a lot of money for the land. I don't care about this. So what if I say to you, I'll sell it to you for a lot of money, you'll keep it forever, it won't go back during Yovel. What's the halacha? The halacha is it does go back in Yovel. It doesn't matter if you make it tonight. But says the Ramban, trying to do that is an Isidar Isa. That's his suggestion. Against Rashi. Trying, making a condition when you sell the land, making a tonight, trying to do something even though it doesn't work, is the Issa Daraisa in this Pasik? Even though Yovel uproots it. Hizir Hakasiv Lamocher Olishnehem. The Pasik warns the seller of both of them Shalom It shouldn't be forever. Vim Amrukain If you do this, you'll violate below Yoelahem Kitaksub Yovel. You'll violate, then it's not going to help you. We have sometimes certain Averos that apply just trying to do something. This isn't the only example. But that is the Ramban's second shot of this, of this Pasik. The Ramban has a third shot of the Pasik. Rashi, Ramban. The Ramban does not mention this in his commentary on the Torah, but he mentions this in his Hasagos, in his Sefer HaMitzvot, source number 10. He says, maybe it means you should not sell it to a non-Jew. Because then it's going to stay forever. Non-Jews don't believe in Yovel. So I mean, that's what it means. There's a separate Isser elsewhere called Losachanim, not allowed to sell a piece of land that Eretz Yisrael to a non-Jew, separate Isser, but says the Ramban, maybe that's what it's referring to. The beginning of source number 10. Shehimeniya shelo natsmis ha'aretz biyad goyim, velo na'azvena lohem b'memkar muchlat. Don't sell it to them. 
The Ksama Kabbalah, Rav Mecklenburg, discusses this suggestion. As he always does, he focuses on the language. Latsmisus. Samut, says the Ksama Kabbalah, means dried up. To become shriveled. Says the Ksama Kabbalah beautifully. Don't sell the land, Latsmisus, to become shriveled and dried up. What does that mean? If you sell the land to a guy, it loses all of its mitzvos. It loses. Whether you say it loses the Kedush or not, but the guy has the land now. He's not going to give Truma and Meiser and Shemitah and Chal and all the mitzvos. So says the Kabbalah, that's the word Litzmisos. Don't sell the Eretz Yisrael. It's going to get dried up. It's not going to have any more mitzvos. Terrible. That's what the problem is. That's what he said, the bottom two lines. You sell it to somebody who's not commanded. I'm not getting into the issue of what if there's another tzarech, et mechira. That's not, this is just separate. Just selling the land elsewhere, elsewhere uh, at a different time. A Jew selling to a Jew. Or a Jew selling to a guy. That's what we're talking about now. Don't do it to undermine the mitzvahs and shrivel up the land. Keep the land juicy. Keep the land full, full and juicy with mitzvahs. And then finally, we have a fourth idea. And that's the Ramban himself. Getting back to source number eight, the Ramban. Against the Rambam and the Chinuch and others, who count this as one of the 613, that it shouldn't be sold forever, says the Ramban, I don't think this mitzvah, this pasuk, is teaching me any new mitzvah. V'hanachon be'inai, line 10, he says this is not an Isser. And in the footnote, Rabbi Chevelle notes in source number 9, he's explaining the Bahag. The Bahag does not count this as a mitzvah. All this, this Pazik is telling you is a what's called a shalila, not a tzivu. It's telling you a reality. The lands in Yoba go back and they shall not be sold forever. That's not a command. That's not telling you anything extra. It's just describing Yovel. By Yovel, all lands go back and they're not sold forever. It doesn't have anything to do with you. It's just describing Yovel, says the Ramban. It's a shlila. Don't make it difficult for you. Right? It's not going forever. I'm in charge. I'm the Balhabayas, says the Ramban. And that is now four different understandings of one little Pasuk. We have in, in uh, here in Pasha's Bahar, we think it's a Pasuk and it's an... Uh, there's nothing inconsequential in the Torah, but we think it's not such an exciting puzzle that the Rishonim will talk about for Pshatim what it means. One final idea related, a separate Aldera Drush. The Yagdal Torah quotes from one of the Rebbes, why is Yovel 50 years? Why Davka 50 years? Why not 40? Why not 60? Where did the number 50 come from? Tisfru Chamishim, uh, 50 days, 50 years. Why 50? So he quotes from the Rav Shlomo Mizavil that he says, Mi-chach We know the average lifespan, David HaMelech tells us, is 70 years. Generally, the first 20 years, the son is still living with the father. The Gemara talks about the age of 20 being the age of being involved in business. The first 20 years, he's in, his, he's in school. Age 20 is when he starts going out and doing his own real estate business deals. So the first 20 years, he can't. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him 50 years. From 20 to 70. But then HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, 
it's not fair. You're going to sell something, then your children won't have a say, and their children won't have a say. So it's 50 because at the age of age 20, so then you have another 50 years. And every 50 years it goes back. The Choser Chalila. About 50 years. Obviously, if somebody's born in the middle, it's in the middle. But you have 50 years before and after. So everything goes back. It would be forever. One irresponsible person could sell all of his family plots and that's it, forever. So Kodesh Baruch Hu says no. Your children have rights and your grandchildren have rights and that's why the number 50 is picked. Interesting from the Yagdal Torah. Okay, two more small ideas to wrap up the shear for tonight. Perachafei Pasuk Lamed Hei. Those of us in Chutzla, those uh, the listeners of Chutzlaret have to listen to two shiurim. Hashem, this Baharim v'Chukosai are together, but hopefully we'll we'll make time and there's enough to talk about in each of these parshias. The Torah talks about the mitzvah staka when your brother gets poor. You shall make him strong. And he shall live with you. There is a well-known machlokas in Mesechah's Bava Based on these two words, v'chayimach. What is that? The machlokas about the canteen. Shnayim shayimahalchin baderech. Two people are walking in the desert. Ubiyad echad kiton shomayim. One of them has a bottle of water. If they both drink it, if they split the water, they will both die. What's the halacha? Does the person who has the canteen drink the whole canteen and watch his friend die? Or do you split it half and half and they both die? Machlokas. Ben Petura says they both die. Yamusu Shneem. It's a Interestingly, Rabbi Akiva argues. Rabbi Akiva, the author of Avzorecha Gamocha, says, Chayecha Kodman. No, no, your life comes first. It's your canteen, you drink it. Why? Because of our Pasik. Bachaimach. Bachaimach. Says the Shemen Hatov. Says Rabbi Weinberger, line three. Avil Ein Muvan. Why, asks the Shemen Hatov, is this Pasik where it is? What's the context? What's the very next Pasik? Where is this Limud from? Don't take interest. Don't take ribis. Your brother shall live with you. With you, but you got to live. That was Rabbi Akiva's Russia. Why is this limud, pasik, connected to ribis? Says the Shem and Atof. I'm sorry, let me just add. It's surrounded by staka and ribis. It's both. The mitzvah of staka, ribis, and right in the middle you have this drasha. Says the Shem Yitachin is possible. This drasha could only be said and is only shaykh to a person who's in this sphere of thinking. Somebody who understands Staka, somebody who understands the Isra of Ribis, that's who you could talk to. 
I don't try to take advantage when my friend is down by taking ribbis from him. Bitaina with a claim of Shemashu Hashem Matzav Chaveiro. What did I do? It's not my fault he's poor, but I want to make money. If somebody has that attitude of taking ribbis, of worrying about themselves, then there's no havamina what they're going to do with the with the uh, canteen, right? If they take if they take interest from their friend, so then of course they're not going to give the other guy the canteen. But says the Shemanatov. Only somebody who understands the mitzvah of staka, somebody who understands the isser of taking interest, of giving somebody a hundred and taking back two hundred. They understand that isser, so they could be, have the question of what do I do with my canteen? And Rabbi Akiva says, keep it. Only here is there a havamina that somebody would think otherwise, and therefore, in this case, he says chayecha kodmin. So because of tzedaka and ribis, you have to have this limud and teaching. Okay, just finishing up tonight with a gra, a classic gra, a, a question that probably was in the back of our minds, but we never, it never got to the front of our minds to ask. Like we know, it's one of those things that we notice every year, but it doesn't bother us enough to like research it and to focus on it and to ask why it's there. What's the question? Let's go to Parachafei, Pasik Memvav. Chafei Memvav. The Pasik says, You shall give your avadim to your children. But your brothers, your fellow Jews, there is an iser to work a fellow Jew hard. Too hard. Parach. Parach is like avodas parach. That's what the Pasuk says. Your brethren of B'nai Yisrael, we know that every word in the Torah, almost every word, has what's called Tameha Mikra, has trup. The tune that we use to lane for Kriyas HaTorah. And the Gemara Dharma already says it goes way back, thousands of years, the time of Ezra Sofer, they already had Ta'amim. So every word in the Torah has trup. A few words, very, very few. A few words have two ta'amim on them. Two ta'amim. In this passage, we have one of them. Uba'achechem. There's a pashta and there's a mapah. Uba'achechem. That's usually two words. You have a pashta on one word and you have the mapah on the next word. But this one word, it's like for Bale Kriya, they're like, oh. Right, it's uh, two, two tamim on this. Okay, great. Like we notice it, but like it never like bothers us enough to think about why. So, and, and we know tamim tell us something, right? Asnachta breaks up the pasuk. That's the biggest break. And there are others mafsikim, right? All the tamim are called mafsikim or misharsim. Are they mafsik or are they misharis? Are they connectors? So, ask the gra. What's the message that this word uva achechem? Your brothers who are evid or avadim, right? Your workers don't work them so hard. Uva achechem says the Gemara. It's a Gemara, as he would say. It's a Gemara that quotes this pasuk. Gemara b'Metzia Ein Gimel says the Gemara. The Gemara there says, "Rav Saoram Achua de Rava Havi Takiv Inshi Dolomalu." Rav Saoram used to take people who were not behaving properly. Right, they were hurting the Jewish people. 
And he's to put him on a, with a wagon. Basically, he worked them hard. He worked them hard. Fellow Jews. Rava says to him, What you're doing is okay. It'll whip him back into shape. Without getting into what the Lamaisa elements are. Did Tanino, because after all we learned at Abraisa. Raisa, Shaina Noe Kishura, if somebody is not behaving properly in the times of a Bezdin, let's say, how do you know that you could be Mishabid him somewhat? Tamalomar, Arpasik. If you put the comma in the wrong place, even though Vachichem is on the next phrase, your brothers don't work hard, you can also read it as they will serve you forever, talking about the previous Pasuk Kanani, and your brothers. And sometimes your brothers, you can also work hard. Continues the Gemara, you might think even if they're behaving properly, you could work them hard. No, now read the rest of the Pasuk. No, you got to lift them up. You can't work them hard. you got to lift up your brothers. So sometimes you're allowed to push down your brothers. And in this, this Pasuk, this is what the Gemara says about this Pasuk. Sometimes there's a heter of pushing down, right, without any Lomaisa elements mentioned right now. If somebody is a Russia Mushchaz and Bezdin thinks he can, whatever, he can push him down, and sometimes he can push him up. Says the Gra, that's why in this word, you have one of the Ta'amim lifting up the word, and one of the Ta'amim pulling down the word. Uve'ah, going up, going down. It's a reference to this Gemara. The Gra sees a word with two Ta'amim, and he sees a Gemara. Now we read the Gemara. Okay, of course. The Gemara is talking about this halacha, so that's why it has two ta'amim. But says the Vilna Gon, that's what it's alluding to in this, uh, in this passage. Hafokba v'hafokba tekulaba. We just have to keep researching. Even though ta'amim, right, the Gemara tells us that Rabbi Akiva learned out so many, Akiva's talmidim, right, we're in the Yonah Diyoma, Akiva's talmidim, Rabbi Akiva darshan halachas from every crown, on the top of every word. So at least we don't have those halachas. Nowhere in Shas does it mention any halacha that Rabbi Kiva darshan from a crown. It just says that he darshan those halachas. What we do have is the ta'amim and his gra relating the Gemara to the ta'amim. Okay, we'll stop here. But Hashem, next week, chazak, chazak, we have Parshat B'chukosai as we finish up Sefer Vayikra.